Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Intelligent Moron with Alex Silva. If I seem like I'm a little spry in this recording, it's because the sun is out, baby. The sun is out. It is the final day of February, and it has come to an end with sun. And to me, like, this is like the beginning of springtime. You know, tomorrow will be March, but today is still February. The final day of February, by the way. It's a, it's a leap year, which we don't get very often. In fact, we get them every four years, which I think a lot of people tend to forget unless they're told that, oh, yeah, by the way, it's a leap year. But then again, at that point, you're like, what? What does that mean? It's like, oh, we get one more day in February. And like, that's it. That's it. You know, I never really understood why leap years were like a thing. Like, why was a leap year like even created? Was it because of like the the positioning of the sun and the earth? Was it because we measured like the year and it wasn't really adding up to being 365 days a year, you know, that, that time spanning within four seasons and all that junk. And they're just like, oh, we'll just add it, add a, add a day to February, you know, even though February is already a shortened month, right? It normally has 28 days, but you know, this year 29, which is being today. So I guess you could say, this podcast probably won't happen on a leap year for another, maybe, I don't know, 24 years, maybe more than that. I don't know exactly when, but it probably won't land on a leap year, a leap day in a long time. I'm going to be one of the few podcasts that actually upload on a leap day of a leap year. Can you imagine that? That's got to be like some kind of like history for podcasters. Like that is normally never the case ever. Like you don't really see a lot of podcasts that release on a leap day. But this year, my in particular podcast that comes out on every Thursday morning happens to come out on a leap day. How incredible is that? I'm actually going to be, you know, when, when I when I uh, when when this debuts, I would have had to schedule it for February 29th, 2024. Episode number 160 lands on that day, which is the episode that you're listening to right now, which is insane. I mean, pat on the back to myself. I made it. I did it. The podcast comes out on Thursdays, in this case, it's a leap day uh, on a leap year. I think I made history. You know, I never thought that in a, you know, I never thought that my podcast would ever land on a leap day of the leap year. That's got to be, you know, it, it just feels I, I such a privilege and honor to share one day every four years that my podcast will debut. Truly incredible. As I mentioned, it is getting sunnier. And it is getting nicer outside, which is, in my eyes, always a good thing. I enjoy the sun. I think we all do enjoy the sun. And we didn't really have the the the, the most consistent winter. We've had a lot of uh, really cold days, a lot of rainy days, kind of late rainy days. We had some days where it was on and off rain, rain later in the winter, like rain was like, there was a lot of rain in January, and some in February as well, and it, we're going to get some soon, but like right now, at this moment, it's a sunny day, it's a sunny day, it's a beautiful day, I love it, my body loves it, I can feel energized when I walk outside, it feels good, it feels fresh, not too hot, not too cool. The nights are pretty nice, and everything. Every you can just tell that people are a little bit more happier at the moment. Like the sun is really rejuvenating these people's lives, and it's uh, you can you can tell that it's having its effect on people. 
it really is making a difference. You know, people say that they get the the winter blues, like the seasonal blues when it gets winter time when the sun doesn't show. Now, I've heard studies that don't really think that it's a true thing, that it's real, that seasonal depression is not true. Maybe not so much as depression, but there is a little bit of a, a gloominess that does occur, I think, in the winter months when the sun is just not very present. And also to the fact that, you know, that's usually the time where um, there's uh, the, the daylight savings where, or is it standard time? I can't remember. Whichever one is when the sun goes down earlier than later. But that happens during the winter time. And, you know, the day can kind of get away from you. And you can be just like, you know, not really see much of the sun, depending on like if you work in an office, you work inside all day, you're going to see the sun much, you know, it just ain't going to happen. So, you know, you got to make the best that you can, right? As an adult, you know, sun and vitamin E, I believe is what it gives you. Maybe vitamin D, I can't remember. It's definitely not C because that is um, oranges and orange juice. I'm pretty sure vitamin E is provided by the sun naturally. Vitamin D, I believe, is in milk, I think. But anyways, one of the vitamins is important that comes from the sun. So I think that, you know, these days like this, you know, you get a chance to walk out, you know, look at the sun. Well, not into the sun, but get some sun, absorb it, you know, get that energy that you need because it does make a difference. Take advantage because right now it's beautiful outside. Along with it being beautiful, you know, the day being well lit. It does come with a little bit of a, uh, with a, with a, uh, what's the word, a trade-off, in my opinion, a bad way, and not so good trade-off that I would be like, oh, this is beautiful, and then nothing can go wrong. Um, with sun comes uh, photosynthesis for plants that causes plants to grow, blossom, bloom, whatever you want to call it, um, rebirth. Of the, of the plants, and that usually generates some pollen. Let me tell you this, man. The past week, I was not feeling my best, and I don't know what it was. You can kind of still hear it in my voice a little bit. It's a little not all the way back yet. I do have a little bit of mucus built up in my throat. It's not the greatest. It's not something that I pride myself in. I hate being, I hate feeling this way, but, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to get through it. No matter how bad I feel, you know, this feeling is not something that I, something that I like. It's definitely, uh, uh, you know, a setback. But last week, it was like maybe Wednesday, you know, I woke up in the morning, you know, to get ready for work, right? Like everybody else does, like everyone else out there is accustomed to, right? I take a shower, right? I get out of the shower. I step out, I dry myself, I leave the shower. Immediately, once I, once I leave the shower room, weirdest thing ever. The weirdest thing. I get, I, get, I get a runny nose. A runny nose as soon as I leave the shower. I don't know what it is. It was very strange. I could pinpoint the exact moment I did not feel great. And it wasn't even that bad of a feel. It wasn't even that bad of a feeling. I was like, oh, I got a runny nose, you know, trying to like blow it, suck it up a little bit, you know, try to, you know, deal with it because, you know, it's going to be a long day, right? Throughout the day, that that runny nose was morphing. It was morphing. It was morphing into a little bit of a runny slash my voice getting funny and a lot of sneezes, tons of sneezes, like... You know, like when you have allergies or when you're allergic to something, like a like a dog or something, and like not like a seasonal allergy, like pollen or dust, but like you know, you get, you get what I'm saying. But like you know, when you get like a a feeling in around your nose and the sinus area of your face, where you're like, you gotta sneeze bad. Like it's gotta come out. Like you got you really gotta sneeze, and you're at work, and you're you're probably trying not to sneeze because. You're doing something, you're talking to somebody, 
you can't really have a sneezy fit at this moment. You don't really want to do that, you know, make yourself look like a, a mess, you know, a total mess. So I was getting like this very fuzzy feeling around my face like everybody else does when they when they're going to sneeze, you know, that tickle around your face and around your sinuses. And it was bad. Like it was getting real bad. I think like at one point I finally let out my sneezes and I sneezed like maybe five times in a row. It happened like maybe three times that day. I was just sneezing and sneezing and sneezing. I'm like, okay, well, this is allergies. You know, this is obviously allergies. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sniffly. My nose is runny. I'm sneezing a lot. This has got to be allergies. There's nothing else it can be. Later on that day, I decided to take some allergy medication, and it worked for a bit. It wasn't like a complete you know, solid work, but it did work. Then the next day, I um, was feeling better. I noticed it. I wasn't as, I wasn't very sneezy. I was congested, not as much of a runny nose, but I was sneezy. You know, like most people are, it doesn't really clear up within a day. It's a process. It takes a while. It definitely does not, you know, go away at all within a day, at least from my from my experience. And then um, after that, I noticed my voice was even worse. The next day, my voice has gotten even worser. Almost to the part where, like, I didn't want to speak. You know, you get to the point where, like, okay, maybe this is kind of a sickness in. Maybe this is, like, a head cold. Maybe I got, like, a little bit of a, just, like, a, the common cold. I don't know. I have no idea what it is. It gets to the point where, like, I don't want to speak because now I sound sick. Even though I don't feel that bad, you know, I got my, you know, my my congestion and my 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 nose is runny, a little bit of stuffy nose, some some uh, phlegm in my throat, but like I feel perfectly fine. Both those days, um, I went to the gym, I worked out, and I was feeling good. I didn't feel bad whatsoever, and I knew that I had to get better because come Sunday. I was going to be at Disneyland, and it was like, I'm not going to feel this bad at Disneyland, you know, so I got to, I got to, I got to get better, and it never really got 100% there until the day of Disney, the only thing that was kind of messed up was my voice still wasn't all the way back, it was still pretty weak, and it was still like pretty nasally, you know, when you like, when you're, when you got congestion, and your voice is funny, and it sounds very nasally. Like, it was at the point where, like, I could feel that my vibrations in my voice were being hindered by the crap that was in my nose and the crap that was in my throat. And it was so annoying because I would try my very, very hardest to sound normal on the days up until I went to Disneyland that it would just drive me up a wall. I think that for me, honestly, the one of the worst parts of being sick is your voice changing because I already hate my voice as it is. I really do. I don't like it. I despise it. And when I'm sick, it's that like times a thousand where I don't even want to like, again, like I said, say a word to anybody, you know, and you and, and every time you you speak when your voice is messed up, you know, the instant thing that this is, you sick? You're right. It's like it's it's almost like a thing it, you just can't hide it no more. Like you almost kind of wish like you had like a stomach virus or maybe like a why well, actually I never do. You know, knock on wood that never happens. But maybe like a fever, you know, something like that where it doesn't really change your voice pitch and your voice tone. That way you can kind of like play it off as like, yeah, I'm fine, you know, and sound completely normal. But when you got like a head cold, which is what I think I have or what I think I really had, it was not letting go. It was not letting go whatsoever. So I think what my conclusion is, is that now as an adult, my allergies are no longer just allergies. My allergies begin as, you know, common pollen, dust, allergies, seasonal allergies, whatever you want to call them, and they morph 
into a head cold every single time. I've got I've I've had this for like maybe I would say I get about like maybe twice a year around this time of year and like around like November is when I get it. This type of like feeling like this type of head cold, I guess you could say, forming from allergies. 100%. Like I I mean like I've 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 had too many of these same experiences where this happens at this exact same time. Now, granted, I think last year's was like maybe mid-March. So that means that this year's came about a month earlier, a little bit over a little, about a month early, which is not cool, by the way. Like on the day, the week before, the week of my Disneyland trip, like you got to be kidding me, right? Like my family was like, are you going to be all right? You're going to be good? Like, I'll be fine. Trust me. And you know what? I think what really helps me out with this type of illness is that for me, I don't normally, you know, with this type of illness at least, I don't really like to rest and just sleep because this illness is not like a sleeping, you got to go to sleep to, to get yourself better, in my opinion. In my opinion... This type of sickness, you know, a head cold, something very, very, very mild that really, you know, like I said, I, I, I had no body aches, no chills, no fatigue, nothing like that, you know, no fever, nothing like, none of that bullshit, right? Just a really runny nose, really, you know, uh, phlegmy throat. The best medicine for me, I think, is to work out extremely hard. And like sweat it out, you know, potentially just sweat the, sweat out the infection. Now that probably doesn't work, but every time I do work out when I have this condition, when I've done, had this in the past, I feel incredible. Like I feel like once I get on that treadmill, once I start lifting those weights, the, uh, the congestion and the runny nose subsides, it's crazy to think about it's crazy for me to explain it but it's true every time I get on that treadmill and walk or run for like 45 minutes it goes away it's so weird like I feel like a new man when I when I'm on that treadmill and when I'm really pushing myself and sweating and and working out and, and breathing heavily like my sinuses open up it's almost as if the nasal drip is gone my head is clear. I have no like uh, urge to sneeze. None of that even you know occurs. You know at that moment, it's like I don't even know like what what it has possessed me. Was it just like the pure adrenaline that is like flowing through my body and like me sweating out whatever is in me at that moment that is like curing me for that moment? No idea. But every time I do it, it works. Like I feel like that is like a almost like a cure for me in that moment like I feel like I need to work out even longer even though you know I get tired and all that but I feel like whenever I do work out when I'm not feeling well like this it tends to make me feel even better while I'm exercising and even after I'm exercising and I just feel like you know what that's like my that's like my go-to medicine for this type of feel you know, at least like in my experience, maybe it wouldn't work for you or somebody else, you know, but for me, like that totally works. It's weird to talk about. It's weird to say, very weird to to, to uh, describe, but it does work. Every time that I have um, had this type of allergy morph into a head cold, it, that's what happens and it works pretty much every time. And I, I have no explanation. You know, I don't even know, like, if what I was even getting at the beginning was allergies. You know, I don't even know. I can't even really, like, pinpoint, like, like, like what even got me sick or made me feel uh, under the weather. I have no idea. But I think, you know, this, like, makeshift cure that I've, like, you know, stumbled upon, you know, is, like, my only way to keep myself sane while I'm feeling this way is a blessing in disguise because not only can I get after it in the gym and really push myself, but it relieves the sickness for a while, which is insane. And it's always, 
you know, for the exact same time that I'm exercising, like it just goes away. It goes away. I have no idea what it could be. I probably should probably see somebody about that, like maybe an allergist or maybe a doctor or something like that, but it's not even that big of a deal. Like I'm not in any pain or any danger, I feel like. It's just annoying. That's it. That's really all it is. And it's, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's something in the air. Maybe it's something everybody's allergic to. Maybe there's something in the water, you know, that that made me feel that way because it did happen after I showered that one morning before I went to work. Like it was kind of bizarre like how quick it came over me like as soon as I stepped out of the, the out of the uh, the bathroom after I showered I just felt like I had like a runny nose it was very bizarre very strange I was almost like I I could pinpoint the exact moment that I uh felt that way I even texted my family yo I ain't feeling that great maybe it's allergies maybe it's a head cold I don't know and they asked me, when did you feel this? Like, did you feel this when you woke up? And I said, no, after I got out of the shower. I remember that specific specific time of when I felt sick. So, I don't know. Maybe something could be in the water. You know, maybe they added, like, some kind of, like, a, um, pesticide in the water to make us, you know, not die from drinking the tap water or showering with that water. And whatever it was, I was allergic to. And possibly, you know, gave me like this uh, type of allergic allergic reaction that would morph into like like a cold, you know. And then that's how I that 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 that's how I feel. That's how I've been feeling. You know, I've been I a few days I was taking Nyquil, not Nyquil, Dayquil, some emergency, even took some Advil, cold and sinus. Everything you know tended to work. Um, to an extent, but now I'm kind of off the meds and I'm just kind of like, you know, um, returning back to, you know, full strength and, uh, you know, waiting to see like when my voice will finally be better because it's not hundred percent back yet. It's, it's super annoying, but we'll get there. You know, we'll get there. I have no, you know, I'm not, I'm not scared of, you know, anything out there that's gonna, you know, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm actually, you know, hoping that there was nothing in the water, because if there was something in the water, that'd be pretty crazy, you know, to think about, you know, uh, just how, how, how much stuff could be in the water, you know, that's uh, not good for you, you know, that's why I, I don't really, like, tend to, uh, uh, you know, it, it just being a skeptic, you know, you never really know, you never really know. Um, speaking of which though, um, I believe it was last week though, I believe it was on Thursday when the episode already dropped, last week's episode already dropped, um, AT&T had a gigantic outage, like on multiple states in the country. And, uh, you know, I don't think we really know why it happened. I think I heard something about like an update was applied and it just ended up knocking out a bunch of signal for like, a bunch of service for a lot of people around the country, like in multiple states. And I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, I, for one, was not affected. You know, I have at and I live in California, and it was not affecting me whatsoever. I never had like SOS or I never had any issues with messaging or calls. Everything was good. And, uh, you know, I just heard about it like when I, you know, got home from work that, uh, it happened and then it was fixed, you know, pretty recently. And, but, you know, I was not affected, you know, uh, and, um, it got me to thinking though, that, that, you know, the, the, the cell lines, the cell towers, AT&T itself was so fragile that day that it went out, you know, for so many people. And, uh, that just happened out of the blue, you know, it happened and, 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 you know, people were, you know, some people were panicking. I'm sure AT&T was panicking. And uh, people were having a pretty rough time that day. Which got me thinking that, you know, the things that we have made, these services, these signals, these, uh, you know, uh, 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 cell towers, power itself, like all this stuff is so fragile that if it goes down, we're just kind of screwed. You know, if you really think about it, like, Imagine like a day like where, you know, the power goes out and we can't get it back on because the grid that we have in this country is so fragile 
that that the simplest stuff could like knock it out and then we'd be back in the stone age right no power no lights no electricity nothing to do how do we cook our food what do we do for water or hot water um what do we do in this situation how do we light our houses how do we light our anything like i mean like i don't think that we are you know in any position to toy around with like what we have and what we're capable of and what we you know cannot live without right we you know depend on electricity whether we like it or not like that's what we depend on to light up our houses and keep us warm and keep us cool like none of our houses are pretty much being powered by like gasoline directly it's all electricity so like when the power goes out you know, that means the heat goes. When the power goes out, that means the AC goes. So we really, really don't have another option at the moment in terms of like longer lasting power that regular everyday citizens that have a house can access. It is only electricity. Like unless you have a backup generator, which a lot of people don't have, you ain't really going to power anything up in your house. Let's be completely honest. Like, you are not going to power anything up in your house unless you have a backup generator, if the power does go out. Um, so, that whole thing with AT&T having that outage, crossing so many states, and people just without, like, cell service, like, really kind of, like, just opens your eyes to, like, you know, these companies... You know, they have all the power in the world, right? The AT&T has so much power, but, you know, you can see how fragile that their services can be and how easily that they can go out. Anything can go out. Anything can, um, you know, just shut down and we have no access to. Anything could, you know, happen within a blink of an eye and it's gone. And then we have really nothing to replace it with, like... We have nothing to replace electricity. We have no other way to do it. So if that does happen, I mean, and it's out for like, you know, imagine the power being out for like two weeks, right? No electricity at all for two weeks. What the hell are we going to do? There's not much we can do, if I'm being completely honest. Like, there's not really much that we can do, you know, unless we all become like industrial, like uh, uh, engineers and engineer ways to power our houses, there ain't going to be any way that we can, you know, depend on anything to really light up our houses or give us power that we need to do our day-to-day things. Like, we can't even send a letter. We can't even type a letter without power. We'd have to handwrite the letter, but how would we handwrite it in the dark? We would need some type of light source, right? We would need fire, right? Could you imagine? Like, people don't really understand that if the power does go out, the grid is goes cold, right? It goes out and it's like out for a long time. We are not prepared to handle any of that stuff, to do anything of our basic things that we need to do. Like we just don't, we are not capable of doing anything like that. And everything that we did in the past that, 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 uh, that was able to, uh, you know, aid us when electricity wasn't really, the primary source of power back then is all destroyed. You know, there's no more typewriters. There's no more like uh, um, things that we used to do like in the past to keep us, you know, as a, a functioning society. Um, people don't, don't know how to start fires. They don't know how to light fires. They don't know how to write letters. They don't know how to read books. Like we don't have anything that we used to do in the past where when electricity was limited, those skills today in today's modern people are just gone. Like, truly, like, if the power does go out, we are screwed. You know, I don't think that there's anything that's, you know, more simple and more, you know, that what, what, what makes us us than electricity. I mean, think about it, dude. We flip a switch and we have a light that lights up an entire room. No need to light a fire. No need to start a kindling thing. No need to go get, like, you know, uh, materials to light a fire. None of that is even necessary at this point. It's all gone. And we just flip a switch and boom, we have light. Let there be light for real. And I think that, you know, people today just don't have the skills 
you know, to live in that those uh, certain circumstances that we had to actually, you know, go through about a hundred years ago, you know, not, not even like 150 years ago. I'm not sure when electricity was founded or when it was, you know, put into homes, but I can't imagine it being like more than like 200 years ago, right? Back then, there was, you know, 200 years ago, there was already sprawling and functioning societies without that stuff. And they were able to get along, you know, and around pretty, you know, pretty efficient, you know, and, and still keep up pretty, you know, uptight and civil society, you know, not the most civil as we are today, but still in a way for them to progress and finally create electricity. But, you know, if you threw us back, like this generation of people, if you were to turn off the power, right? Let's just say like all of our technology that we have right now, you know, like a light bulb, a light switch, wiring, uh, computer chips, uh, nano chips, solar power, uh, solar panels, um, you know, uh, electricity, electricity, uh, um, factories, windmills, uh, whatever, you know, uh, electrical grid research, uh, technology, if all that disappeared right now, and we had to start from scratch with the minds that we have right now, I truly don't think that we would be able to get to this point again. I think that if like everything technological that we had today disappeared and we had to restart from raw materials that we find here and there, you know, getting lucky with uh, sparks, making fire, you know, finding the materials to make, you know, wiring and copper and, um, you know, yeah, stuff that makes things work, you know, you know, break it down into simple engineering to making like switches and wires and conducting power. Like, I don't think that we could actually do that today whatsoever. If I'm being completely honest, I think that the people that did that, you know, 250 years ago to, to now up to now, the generation of those people, like the way that they, you know, thought back then is of a bygone era. I truly do think that a lot of people nowadays don't use their brains enough to think, to innovate. Whereas back then, a lot of people did. Maybe close to like everybody did, you know, because they had to. So I feel like, you know, if you were to destroy or every technological advancement that we ever have right now just disappeared, we would not be able to get back to where we are even today. Like, if we had a task, right, if God came down from the heavens and said, I am going to destroy and your technology and and make your technology that you have today that you rely upon so dearly that came before you from generations to generations from you know um Isaac Newton to Albert Einstein to Nikola Tesla and all these boys that you know contributed and and, and technology advanced from building uh, from from brick by brick up into the, up until modern day if all that just disappeared I don't think that we can get back to where we are today I truly don't think that we can because I don't think that we have the innovation that those boys had hundreds of years ago. I truly don't think that we do. I think that we would never actually be able to get back to this point today because what we have right now is crazy. And you know what? I think because the people back then were so driven, were so like we need to make you know life better, but also we got to put a price on it got to put a price you know that, that that back then like those those boys back then that like created like cars and shit and combustion engines they all sold them you know they made money they they were able to sell them to farmers and other companies that needed them to make things to so they could sell things so they can make money i just feel like nowadays like the people those that type of person that type of drive does not exist in these modern in modern day people i really don't think that that exists in modern day people at all like I feel like the mogul, you know, the the monger, the person who is trying to make money any way that the any way, shape, or form, is pretty much gone. We have we as a society have been coasting, and we as a society of you know, and, and this generation of people 
have been, you know, just, you know, pegging out and sitting on the couch on the, on the, on the creations of past generations of people, what they have done for this, uh, for this species and where humanity is at today. We have just kind of been like coasting and not really innovating technology enough, in my opinion. Like, why the hell do we not have flying cars? Why the hell do we not have anti-gravity, right? Why the hell do we not have like jet-powered shoes or jetpacks? Like, how come that's not a thing yet? Well, it's because I think people have gotten lazy and been like, you know what? We did enough. We've created, we've innovated enough and we can just make money like this. We'll we'll make slight improvements to these uh, products and to this uh, these services enough so that we can generate enough wealth so that we can stay in business and also keep a roof over our head. And we're cool. Like, I truly don't think that we are even within a hundred years of our own like progression as a society, as a planet, as a species. I truly don't think that we're even within a hundred years of our natural progression to getting anti-gravity reactors and making them real. Like, dude, for real. Like, you watch like a show like, uh, I don't know, The Jetsons or um, Jimmy Neutron if you're a younger person or even something else if you're even, I don't know, there's got to be something out there. But, like, Jimmy Neutron was able to build, like, a hoverboard, build it, like, no fan, there was not a single fan that powered that thing, no, that motherfucker made it anti-gravity in his own fucking backyard, in a shed, with his robot dog, now, I'm not saying that that is even possible right now, but maybe it could be. If people in these companies actually tried to innovate technology more than they are today, because I just kind of, I just feel like if you look at the progression of like even cars and commercial planes, like there just is not enough of, of improvement from these years, from these decades. Shit, if you look at an airplane from like 19, 1915 to 1944, you'll be amazed at the amount of improvement to the airplane. You look at an airplane from 1980 to 2023, 24, it's the same fucking thing. Like, it's the same exact goddamn thing. If you look at a pickup truck from 2003 to 2024, it ain't that different. It's not enough innovation. Not enough is happening with us as a, with us in as a as a species as our in our as our uh, enough is just not happening in our technological advancements as a, as a species on this planet. It is not happening quite enough at a pace that I think that is you know even close to the Jetsons, or like to like a, somebody else, I don't know, you know, science fiction, it's just not even close, you know, we have made improvements on like, you know, battery life, I guess, like, that's like, you know, if I, if I can like really pinpoint things that we really, you know, as a species that we are trying to make even better, I guess it's like battery life, being fuel efficient, but why even do that when you can make an anti-gravity car that we possibly can make it so, you know, we no longer have to use fossil fuels, but yet we're just making the, the, the car more fuel efficient. Like, we didn't innovate enough. We're just kind of, we're just kind of, you know, piggybacking and riding what we got and making it last as long as we can. And we're not innovating enough. And we're not going to get to the Jetsons. We're not going to get to hover cars. We're not going to get to anti-gravity if we keep up with this mentality. That's why I think if we took all of our power away, if we took all of our technology away, we would not be able to build back up to where we are today with the people that inhabit the planet right now. It's just not going to happen. It's not possible. There's not enough people that are motivated enough to do that. So that, that, that to me is kind of scary. You know, it's not something that, you know, you want to hear. 
about your species, about your about your own people, about humanity. You know, it's just not enough. It really is not enough. Um, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, like just to think that you know people have gotten lazier, wild. You know, you never would have thought that, but you know things got easy. Like I said before in the previous podcast, we don't have to fend off any other animal that wants to kill us. You know, we we are the best animal on this planet. We are so smart, we don't have to fear anything. We are at the top of the food chain. We're solid, you know? But what being at the top of the food chain has made us lazy and, um, and, and also unchecked, untouchable, and in, 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 in a way soft, you know, very, very, very soft as a species. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. So, you know, AT&T going out, it's not a good sign. You know, I'm not saying that we're going to lose everything or society's going to crumble within the next five years. I'm not saying that. And I don't wish that. But, you know, if it was a possibility, if AT&T did go down in that broad of a span, right, who's to say that the power can't go out? Who's to say? I mean, this week alone, I was about to get into the shower in the morning, early morning, where it's like still dark outside. And I have the fan on, I have the light on in the shower, I'm about to get in. Got the water running for like maybe a minute. And the power literally goes out for like five seconds. Like the power literally like just went out for like a solid five seconds. And then it came back on. But at that moment, I was like, oh shit, like what do I do? What am I, how, how do I live what am I supposed to do? How do I function? It's wild to think that, but I'm like, do I have to use my... In that split five seconds, I was like, almost like thinking to myself, like, what do I do now? I guess I'll use my phone light to light myself up, to, to light up the room. I felt like such an idiot. Like, like electricity has made us like such a reliant species. That we have literally nothing else to back us up. It's almost insane to think about. Like, imagine like having a power source, and imagine like re- relying on this sole source and this sole um, uh, source of energy to power literally everything that you have, literally everything that we've created. And if that goes out, we have no scapegoat, nothing, no secondary, no backup, no safety net, nothing. Is that wild to think about? Like that 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 should not be how a intelligent society and an intelligent planet of species of human beings should not live that way. You know, that that just is not smart. Is it's not smart whatsoever. Um and we got no secondary source of power. We really don't. We don't. Like in our houses, we don't. We don't have any other source of power to power our things, keep our food cool, warm up our food, cook food, got nothing. Absolutely nothing. I rely on electricity and I rely on modern day technology to record, upload, publish this podcast every single week. If the power goes out, I have no way to do any of that. Zero. Zero way. Absolutely none. What kind of smart species is that to have absolutely zero safety net of when shit hits the fan? I mean, I didn't mean, I, I don't mean to like totally like expose our entire society that we really are hanging by a thread. Like we are hanging by a thread. Like, and, and, and I'm sure everybody here has been in an instance when the power has gone out or there has been a blackout. You know, it is not good. It is not good. We don't, we, it it is a scary thing to think about. It really is. I mean, like, unless we can program our houses to have like some kind of, you know, backup source of energy, I'm hoping that can be like either solar power, even though I think that, I don't think that there's any way that we can save that power. Or maybe hooking up like a gas, a gigantic tank of gas to our house. 
and program everything else to be running to run on gas as well as electricity. That way, in case the power does go out, everyone is not screwed over. I mean, wasn't there like a gigantic winter storm like two years ago in Texas that like completely froze the entire state and people actually could not access their water? Now, I know that's, you know, plumbing and all that. It's a little bit different, but I'm pretty sure the power was also out and they could not actually provide heat to their houses because the power grid was also gone. Pretty sure that's what happened. No second, no, no, no safe goat, no safety net on extra power, no way to back up your house, no way to, you know, heat your house. Actual insanity that we are allowing ourselves to live this way by a thread. We're just getting by. You know, we are a species that is okay with okay. Like, oh, you know, we just, we have electricity. It's pretty much, you know, it's pretty, you know, fragile. You know, it's, it works wonders. It's, it's quite the responsive, you know, power source. It's great. We have a lot of it. Uh, we, the way we make it is pretty crude, but, you know, we have it within a flick of a switch, flip of a switch, and we got it. Oh, well, what's the backup? Oh, no, there is none. You know, if the power goes out, if the pole gets hit, if a pole comes crashing down, that whole block is without power for at least like five hours. No way to keep your food cool, no way to heat up your food, no way to really, you know, uh, do anything that's functional in your house. Uh, Showering at night, good luck. If you have a flashlight, cool, but why have one when you have a light switch in every room in your house? You know, I just, I just, there's no real safety net there. There's no really any way that we could, you know, prevent, you know, mass hysteria when power does go out. That's why I'm, you know, if AT&T goes out, you know, what makes you think that the, the electrical companies can have a gigantic problem and boom, states are gone. You know, parts of the country are just without power. Scary to think about, you know, really scary. And this whole bullshit AT&T outage just proves to me that, hey, you know, the mightier the company doesn't matter. You can still go down. And when you go down, you can go down pretty hard. As I mentioned earlier, I went to Disneyland this past weekend. I went on Sunday. It was so much fun. I haven't been to Disneyland in maybe about like, I think it's about like maybe seven years. I think last time I went was in maybe in 2016 or 2017. So eight to seven years ago is the last time I went to Disneyland, and it was a lot of fun. Like, I haven't been in a long time. The park is so much smaller than I remember. Um, I was about the same size as I was seven or eight years ago, so that kind of didn't make any sense. But, like, going back to Disneyland with having such a fresh memory of, like, what is there and what is not there, how the park operates and how everything is, you know handled and what you know what's the best thing to go on and what's the most attractive thing there what's what's getting the most attention there I gotta say dude I love Disneyland like I really do love it it's like it's quite the it's quite the theme park you know you got you know every slice of Disneyland that you go there is beautiful it's great the immersion there is fantastic the service there in terms of like how like helpful the you know, the people are that work there are, is beautiful. Like, it's it's fantastic. There is not a short of politeness there at Disneyland. You know, every land, whether it be like Main Street, which I love the look of, like, a, it's like an, like, almost like a, like an old Western town vibe, kind of like that, but like a little bit more of like a 1903 vibe, like, you know, in a, in a settling town. It's awesome. Like, it's such a cool place. You know, that's where you always start your day at Disneyland. That's like the main walkthrough point. Fantastic. We had, uh, like, a, a breakfast there. The food was actually pretty good. I can't remember the exact name of the restaurant, but it was like a restaurant that's on Main Street, and uh, you could have breakfast and lunch there, and it was delicious. I mean, I, I was actually kind of surprised on how good the food was. Um, it, it truly was unbelievable. I had a breakfast sandwich with eggs, bacon, and cheese, some potatoes on the side. My God, it was incredible. You know what? For as expensive as the tickets are, 
which I'm pretty sure for me was $184 for a day pass at Disney. The food, the drink, the snacks at Disney are actually not as expensive as you might think. That meal that I had, $14. Not the most insane thing, considering prices at other places that are not theme parks. The churros there, always delicious, five fifty. Now I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself like I'm back in the old times when it was like three bucks or maybe even two. But seeing that five fifty for a churro at Disneyland actually made me smile quite a bit because I was like, all right, the ticket price is pretty high. Ain't gonna lie, a little too high. But this chow, the price for the chow ain't bad. I was not complaining. I could not complain. It was actually not that bad. So price-wise, Disneyland was actually pretty nice. You know, the stuff that you can get at the park was not bad. It was actually like inflation had not hit. Disneyland, everywhere else in the country, yes, but Disneyland, not really. Didn't feel like that whatsoever. Ticket price, yeah, but the food, nope. Not at all. A lot of rides under construction, um, they're building a new uh, uh, Princess and the Frog ride where Splash Mountain used to be. The rocket ride that's mainly for kids, like it just spins around in a rocket ship that's being renovated, um, which I didn't mind too much. I mean, I used to go on that when I was a kid a lot, but when I got older, I was like, this is kind of lame. I do like how high you were able to get. Like you were able to get pretty high and like see a lot of the park. That was pretty cool. Um. Uh, went to, um, the Matterhorn, which I haven't been on in like maybe 10 years. I don't think I went on it the last time I was there. Cause I think it was probably closed for repairs, but dude, that is like maybe their oldest ride there. And that is seriously like the roughest ride. Like that ride could break your back. Like it's a pretty intense ride. Like you're racing against the other track that's, you know, uh, next to you. And, um, it's pretty cool. Like it's 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 a cool ride. It's a little scary. I ain't gonna lie. There's a yeti in the mountain in the Matterhorn, and uh, it's pretty scary at some points. But it's it's a fun ass ride. It's pretty tight. But I will tell you, if you've never been on it, it is a bumpy, bumpy, very very rough ride. Like if you've been on Colossus on in on at a Six Flags Magic Mountain, it's been renovated, so it's a lot smoother. But if you went on it like maybe like 15 years ago when it was still pretty old, like that was rough too. But this one, because it's like a lot of tight corners and a lot of like uh, narrow turns and a lot of like janky ass, you know, um, uh, little uh, roller coaster like carts that you're in, it's kind of rough. I ain't gonna lie. It's a bit rough. Went on that once, went on Thunder Mountain twice. That ride is more modern, much more um, faster too, in my opinion. A lot more fun, better, better track. Gets up there in speed. Very solid ride. I went on that twice. You know, one in the day, one at nighttime. That ride is always solid. I mean, it's never a disappointment. Thunder Mountain is a, is has become the, a classic ride at Disneyland. It's always it's always a good ride. Always a big fan of that one. Um, went to uh, Indiana Jones one time that line was probably one of the longer lines that we waited in it was not the busiest day i'll be honest like the longest time the longest wait time that we had for a ride was 70 minutes not even that long and it was um you know it, it wasn't that bad you know it wasn't terrible which i was kind of surprised cuz i remember when i was a kid like I would be like waiting in like a, a a line for like a line for Space Mountain that was like maybe two hours long, you know, back when I was a kid, and this this time it was like barely seventy minutes, which was a which was such a blessing because we honestly went on like one of the better days to go. Like it was an overcast day, it didn't rain a drop, perfect, very cool, nice breeze all day. Not a lot of people. It was a Sunday, so it was, you know, definitely not like a Saturday busy, busy day, but it was a Sunday. Still, you know, still a lot of people, but like not as bad as it could have been, I think. I think we went on the perfect, perfect day 
to go to Disneyland. I mean, it was just awesome. So went on Indiana Jones. It wasn't bad at all, actually. I was actually kind of worried about that one because I had heard that that ride has been not in the best condition in uh, in as of recent. Like it was like breaking down. It wasn't as smooth as it used to be. It was kind of like stopping and stuttering. I didn't notice that one bit in this time when I went. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was a good ride. I always loved that ride because of the the ambiance and the ambience of the uh, uh, of the the like the waiting area, like in the line, like it's outside, like in a jungle, and then you like go into this like temple cave type thing. It's so cool. It's such an awesome ride. The whole experience, the immersion of Indiana Jones, is such a good ride. You know, it's the best. Um, like I said, Splash Mountain was close, so we didn't go on that one. Um, we went to the uh, Star Wars land which I will admit is not a cool land, if I'm being completely honest. Maybe it's because I really don't like the new era of Star Wars, so it's like kind of like noise to me, like it doesn't really fit, so I'm not really a supporter of that. I think it's kind of lame, it's kind of boring, it's like a little, it's a little just like they're not trying that hard anymore. Um, the rides, though, the two rides that they have there, the Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, was pretty cool. It was cool because like you're split into like teams of like of like five or six people. We had five, so like we had five people on our team. There's two pilots, an engineer, and two gunners, and we were able to like do like our own little like VR type mission. It's almost like a Star Tours type of uh um like a simulator like, but you like get to like you know pilot the Millennium Falcon and do this cool like smuggler spice run type of thing which is pretty cool that one was pretty sick and then the the rise of the resistance one that was pretty cool too um i will admit because it is based off the sequel trilogy films i don't really care for it um it kind of like did not it kind of made me want to get out of the ride as soon as it started because it was about like the you know kylo ren and shit and general hux and all these washout characters and i was like oh, get me the fuck out of here um, but the ride itself was pretty cool. Like it was a pretty, like you can tell that they put a lot of effort into making the ride a pretty cool experience. Um, you know, you're like a, as a resistance, like, you know, transport that gets captured and you have to escape like in a, a first order, uh, uh, star destroyer, which is pretty cool. You know, it's cool. It's awesome. It's, it's, it's a fun ride. I will say that, but the fact that it is in the, in the sequel era really sucks. Um, a lot of people said that it was like like a really perfect ride. I don't think so. I think it's like an 8.5 out of 10. Definitely not the best thing I've ever been on, but definitely, you know, definitely a cool experience to see. Like, if you like really like the sequel trilogy, you probably would fucking love it. But if you're like me that that doesn't like it, you, you probably are not going to like it as much as those, those Sims do. Um, but a cool ride nonetheless. Um, I wasn't really um, blown away by, like, the, uh, the design of Star Wars land, I mean, like, it's a cool land, but, like, I feel like it's just, like, not really, you know, the original stuff that's cool, I don't know, I just, it just feels very, like, uh, new age, which I guess is what it's supposed to be, but I feel like, you know, why would you make, like, a new planet that you're going to, why not just make it Star Wars themed, and they always have, like, this weird-ass music that's playing throughout the entire thing. It doesn't sound like anything like Star Wars at all. Like, just play, like, the, you know, the classic hits of Star Wars in Star Wars land. Like, that's what we want to hear. Not this bullshit-ass, like, ambient music that you made for this planet that we've never been to, that we'll never see in any of the films. Like, come on. What were you thinking there? Um, I think that the, you know, the cast members in Star Wars land were pretty awful. I mean, like, you could tell, like, they weren't really, like, you know, hamming it up and playing, like, you know, like, being, like, an actual cast member. Like, they were cast in, like, a, okay, you gotta play like you're from Star Wars land, and you gotta play it well. They're they're pretty terrible at their job, I'll be honest. Uh, I didn't think that they were that, you know, making it that much of an immersive experience. It was kind of dull, I'll be honest. Uh, not that cool. I would have appreciated more if there was like like more like patrols of stormtroopers uh in the entire area. Like that'd be pretty cool. Like really make it feel like, you know, like I'm not wanted there. I mean, they straight up got like banners of like first order insignias all over 
and you feel like you're just welcome. Like, what the fuck? Like, make me feel like, you know, I'm in like an occupied area of the galaxy where I should not be. Like, come on, make it more immersive. I just felt like it was kind of lazy in that department. So those rides were pretty cool. I'll admit, like the 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 even though Rise of the Resistance is totally sequel driven, is just not cool to me whatsoever. Um, it's you know it's 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 definitely a ride that you know they could tell that they put some thought into, like oh yeah, we'll make it a full on experience. And I enjoyed you know I I I enjoyed the ride for what it was, even though I didn't really like it that much. Um. So Star Wars Ride uh, Land was pretty cool. And then we went to uh, Tomorrowland where we went on Star Tours, which is where we actually firstly, um, for my first time ever, I got prequel era Star Tours, which was badass. Um, I've only gotten original trilogy and sequel trilogy stuff. But this time I got prequel trilogy, which was badass. And of course, we went to Space Mountain, which we went on twice, which of course never disappoints. I mean, that is the best ride that they have there, the fastest roller coaster that they have. It's awesome. I mean, like, it never disappoints. It's so cool. It's, you know, it's not outdated, in my opinion. It's just amazing. And you know what's crazy, though, which was which was so weird to experience, but, like, the, the bathrooms after you get off of Space Mountain... Um, there's a bathroom like as soon as you exit the ride you know you walk out the tunnel and then you're out right you're out of the ride there's bathrooms right there no joke like the bathrooms were so packed there people were just like chilling there because there's benches and shit it reminded me of like an airport like bathroom like an airport area and the bathrooms being like right across from like your flight gate that to me was so weird because like people were like literally like just sitting there for like a long like a long time like what are you guys doing here like the ride is over this is the bathroom get out of here like that you're you're not like waiting for a flight it was so weird like just seeing that it just like looked like it was like a a bathroom at an airport it was so weird um buzz Lightyear ride badass as always very cool one of this little Pooh bear ride that was also pretty tight um you know, I love Pooh Bear, so it wasn't like I was like a, you know, a ride that I dreaded. You know, I, I didn't think that I was going to go on it because it was, you know, a ride that is, you know, so tucked away, you know, in, in Disneyland. It's like, an, it's like between Frontierland or, and, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Star Wars Land. So it's like, it's pretty tucked away, but you know, once you find it, it's a pretty cute little, little corner of the park, which is pretty cool. And then, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, slaps as always. It's a very chill, mellow ride. So you, you know, if you're like, if your feet are tired and you want to like a little break, I want a little sit down, but you don't want to sit on a bench, you want to go on a ride as well, go on Pirates of the Caribbean. Like that ride is like 15 minutes as soon as you step onto the boat. It's like 15 minutes. Same with like It's a Small World, which I went on too. Now, I haven't been on It's a Small World in like maybe 20 years. So, that ride was a throwback. That was a blast from the past. Like that ride also was like 15 minutes. So if you want another break, that's a good one to go on to. Didn't go to Toontown. I didn't go to Toontown at all. Um, I think it was, I think it closes like around eight, eight o'clock. So like that one was shut down early. Never got around to that, that part of uh, that area of the park, but overall, you know, a successful Disneyland trip, you know, we stayed till midnight um, got our fix of, of Disney, and it was it was awesome. You know, I don't regret it one bit. It was such a fun trip, and it was like kind of like spontaneous in a way. Like we thought about like maybe we thought about going like in January, I think, and we we're like, yeah, let's just go. You know, on this weekend, and we're like, okay, we'll go. I'll go that day. Um, I still want to go in December this year, just because I want to get the the Christmas Disneyland vibe because I've experienced it like I think maybe twice in my life both in like November-ish and I want I kind of want to go in December when it's like a little bit more chillier closer to Christmas time and when they really go all out with like their Christmas themed decorations so yeah I mean like I never thought that I would want to go back to Disneyland within the same year but having gone this past weekend, 
and it being, you know, a pretty awesome time. And like I said, like we did not go on a very busy day. So around like maybe 10 o'clock, 1030, like the wait times for these rides were like 25 to five minutes, five to five to 25 minute long waits for these rides. Like they went down by a lot for about two more hours of the park being open it was awesome. It was badass. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, like I said, the, the, the park felt smaller to me. So I feel like I was able to get around the park a lot quicker than I ever had when I was younger. And also the fact that there wasn't that many people at that time. So you can just kind of walk, you know, freely, not being stopped by traffic or, you know, too many people in these walkways and just congesting the the ways. So, yeah, it was awesome. Disneyland was awesome. And I, I, I actually kind of do want to go back this year at Christmas time. I know it's going to probably be a lot busier that time just because of the holidays. But even though after this time, like I kind of like understand why a lot of people like Disneyland. I don't get why people f- f- uh, fanatic are such fanatics about it. You know why they, you know why they tend to wear like things like Disneyland shirts or like Mickey Mouse shirts or Mickey ears at such an advanced age, like that's more for kids and like Disney adults in general just kind of freak me the fuck out. So like, I don't understand like that type of hype, but I do like, you know, going on the rides and like being at Disneyland is pretty tight. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool experience. Not that something that I would like wear on my sleeve, like these, like these weirdos, but definitely cool every once in a while to go and just have fun. So yeah. So that's going to be it for me today, people. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Remember, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube at Intelligent Moron with Alex Silva. New episodes drop every Thursday morning. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, and do all that good stuff. And yes, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And I will see you guys next week.